Welcome. I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Welcome to this week's episode of the Compliance Divas. My name is Linda Harvey, and I will be your moderator today. Our topic today is HIPAA and social media. As the Compliance Divas, we bring clarity and simplicity by navigating the regulatory world to keep you on course. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcast channel or on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. Any resources that we mentioned during the podcast can be found in today's show notes, as well as on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. And we welcome your questions to be sent to support at thecompliancedivas.com. This is going to be an interesting topic because leveraging social media and collecting online patient reviews are such an ideal way to grow your practice. However, there's a fine line between maintaining patient privacy under the HIPAA rule and using social media. So let's discuss what that means and what you may have been doing in your practice. Hey, Linda, you know, I'm so glad that you brought this up because there's a lot of questions surrounding what is acceptable to post on social media. And I often wonder if dental practices have taken into consideration what the authorized use of a patient's information actually is. And that really boils down to having permission. Now, you know, HIPAA has been around for a long time. And I think a lot of us don't realize that the privacy rule went into effect uh, 20 years ago. We're just about on the 20 year anniversary where dental practices had to comply with various parts of the step. Even though the HIPAA rule is from 1996, I think most of us in dentistry about 20 years ago realized that we needed to have some written plans. And early on, the privacy rule did address marketing. But in 2003, I don't think that Health and Human Services had any idea what we were doing on social media and how much that has exploded. And as a result, there's been lots of of, uh, fines and citations that have been issued. And dental team members just need to be aware of what they really need to do before they post a review or before they use these various different companies that promise to elevate their visibility on social media. Linda, can you tell us about some of the citations that you've come across? Oh, Leslie, sure. There have been several. And I I just love how you made the analogy about this is an evolving area. You know, we're celebrating the 20th year of the HIPAA privacy rule this year and, and the enforcement date and everything. So HIPAA tends to be old hat. But the way we use patient information is continually changing. And there's actually been three cases that I'm aware of, Leslie, where dental practices have been fined for inappropriately disclosing patient information on social media. Uh, The first one that I'm aware of was from back in 2016, 2017, when a practice down in Texas was fined $10,000 for responding to a negative online review. And that is so hard to kind of hold yourself back. I could only imagine, Leslie, if I was the doctor or the dental practice or maybe uh, an individual in the practice that they, the patient didn't like and was targeting you know, a team member, how that would feel in public to be attacked. However, it winds the office up in trouble because when this complaint came through, 
It was found by the Office of Civil Rights that the office had impermissibly disclosed PHI when they responded to the patient's post, provided health information that included the patient's last name, details of the treatment plan, insurance, and cost information. So Leslie, I don't know about you, but what, what that tells me is that the patient was trying to, pardon me, that the office was trying to correct the patient's information and get the record straight, right? And once we do that, now we're disclosing information that we shouldn't have, and that cost the practice $10,000. And another case that I'm aware of is the one that was in North Carolina earlier this year. This case was interesting because this doctor, um, likewise, settled an agreement for responding to a negative online review. And in this case, they were cited and fined $50,000. So, but Leslie, you've got one in California. Let's let's talk about that one. It, it's a whopper, Linda. And the Southern California dental practice had to pay a $23,000 fine. In addition to that, they had to follow a plan for corrective action. So they had oversight. In, the, in addition to just shelling out the money, they had certain steps that they had to uh, follow. And it was all because the dental practice owner responded uh, to a negative Yelp review by posting patient data online. And, and I agree, you know, we, when someone attacks us anywhere, we get defensive. We want to set this, the record straight. We don't want our other patients to think that, that we're a bad guy or the bad gal. And so, uh, when we do post an, any kind of response, uh, well, we're acknowledging, first of all, that the patient's a patient in the practice. So it's very difficult to stay out of that arena of, of, uh, identifying yourself as the healthcare provider to that patient's review. I think a lot of times we realize that, uh, that the reviews may be made by a patient, there's always going to be somebody that is going to be difficult to please in every practice. And I think, you know, Linda, you and I know this, whenever uh, we speak at events, there there may be uh, 500 people in the audience and they're, everybody loves you except one person is going to give a negative evaluation. And, and so we just let that roll off our backs and we may not be that person's cup of tea. So with this particular uh, dental practice, uh, not only were they cited, but uh, they were sort of made a poster boy or girl for the for for HIPAA violations in California. It was pretty big news. Not only did they have to pay the fine and corrective action, but they had to go back through social media and remove any postings made since 2014 that contain any patient data and issue breach notices to those affected individuals. Uh, it, as I had mentioned earlier, the HIPAA privacy rule in 2003, uh, the Health and Human Services could not have known where we would be in 2023 when it comes to the explosion of social media marketing. But a comment that came through from the Office of Civil Rights Director, Melanie Fuentes Rainier, said that Providers cannot disclose protected health information of their patients when responding to negative online reviews. This is a clear no. We take complaints about potential HIPAA violations seriously, no matter how large or small the organization. So individual dental practices should be uh, particularly aware of what it is they can and can't do what it is they can post, what kind of permission that they need from not only the patient who is uh, in the post, but 
could there be a picture that has other people in the background that that don't want to be on social media? Has that been posted? And and team members should be well trained on what they can and can't post or respond to on social media. Wow, Leslie, that is some eye-opening information. And I'd want to just stay on that California case for just a moment. And then I'd like to share with our listeners the realm of what we are supposed to be using privacy information for. What are the permitted uses and disclosures? And that's one area that I know um, Diva Olivia Wan wanted us to be sure we discussed today. But thinking about your California case, when you mentioned that they had to go back and remove all their posts for several years, I'd like to draw an analogy or a timeline, if you will, for our listeners today, because the case that I mentioned in Texas was from around 2017. So you go from 2017 and fast forward to November of 2022, when that corrective action plan was published, look at how the Office of Civil Rights has evolved and how they're applying fines and sanctions and the corrective action plans, because the um, office in Texas and their uh, settlement notice, it was noted that they had previously divulged patient information online, Leslie, but yet they didn't have uh, such an extensive plan of correction as the California case did. So it's important to understand that when a patient files a complaint, um, uh, especially in this area of social media and using their PHI, the Office of Civil Rights is more than likely going to find that office and they're going to get a pretty stiff plan of correction. And the plan of correction uh, typically includes updating your policies and procedures in this particular area of the breach. And it involves distributing those policies and procedures to your employees. It involves additional training and it involves some type of monitoring uh, by the Office of Civil Rights for the next year or two, where they monitor your activities. It's like being on um, probation, if you will, Leslie. <laughs> that's, the, that's the word that comes to my mind. So let's let's circle back, Leslie, and, and for a few minutes, talk about how can dental professionals use patient information under the permitted uses and disclosures within the realms of the privacy role. And the three words that come to mind are treatment, payment, and healthcare operations. Treatment refers to the provision and coordination of the healthcare that's being provided um, by the dentist and by any consultation, um, consultative services such as specialty dentist or specialty dentists um, working with the GPs and other specialists. So that's all considered treatment, as well as in, that includes speaking to the patient's physician in order to get, say, medical clearance for dental surgery. Payment is the next area, and that includes all the activities uh, that we use in dentistry and healthcare to obtain payment or to be in reimbursed for the care that's rendered. And so this might be a determining a patient's eligibility uh, with under coverage, billing and collection activities, Although I will caution our listeners, Leslie, that be, be careful when it comes to billing and collection activities, because sometimes those uh, third parties that are involved, they are HIPAA, they must be HIPAA compliant as well, because they're business associates. And we always have to only share the least amount of information to get that billing and collection activity done. The third uh, area that we are permitted to share patient information is for healthcare operations. This might seem a little bit more vague to us in dentistry, but it is the certain types of functions that a dental practice might perform around any administrative functions, legal functions, quality improvement activities, such as peer review, um, underwriting, uh, arranging for um, 
different types of business things within certain realms, like selling the practice where you're having the practice evaluated. Um, you're very cautious with you're allowed to use and share information for that realm, but being very specific on just giving the least amount of information where possible. And it certainly doesn't include fundraising for the benefit of the covered private entity and sharing on Facebook. So, so Leslie, what are your thoughts on um, where the, where the offices should go next? How should they bring it back together and make sure that they're staying safe? Because, and within the realms of the lobby, and like me, you see patient information posted all over social media, including patient x-rays. Bottom line, Linda, it's training and making sure that we raise the awareness level of our team members. And not only is this a good idea for preventing um, disclosures that might not be allowed by the HIPAA rule, but also helping raise awareness when it comes to how to manage incoming information, uh, be prepared for different things like cyber attacks or other types of phishing at attempts. But when it comes to a social media, which we're all so enamored with, I think you know a lot of times uh, patients are are uh, they don't even need magazines in the reception room or the treatment room, but they have their cell phone, they can browse social media. I know sometimes I browse social media when I'm waiting in line at the supermarket as I'm checking out. I'm always interested in that, and I think we need to be very careful to advise our teams that social media is a place where we could get in trouble, especially if a patient post something and you know, realize that that HIPAA allows people to post information about themselves. They are, have free reign to talk about their own health. But we as healthcare providers do not have free reign to respond back to that patient unless we have their authorization. And another thing I might mention is that uh, there are a lot of companies out there that, that want to help you improve your your reviews on social media or um, or your search engine optimization and and uh, sometimes are requesting your patient's list. And you have to make sure that you are HIPAA compliant because when it comes to social media marketing or other types of marketing, again, you've got to have patient authorization and you have to vet your vendors to make sure that they understand HIPAA and that they're going to be compliant. Otherwise, you are bottom line, the one that's going to be responsible. So if you're a dental practice and you're going to be using social media marketing, it's important to find an expert in HIPAA compliance who can help you avoid huge errors. And that might be a qualified dental consultant who, who understands HIPAA. Uh, it could be checking with your state association, or you could check with your own attorney to make sure that you're not overstepping what you're allowed to use or disclose or share with a vendor. Leslie, that's such a great point about training. And I'd like to recap what offices can include on that. And then also um, our, what our diva, Mary Gavoni, could be here today as well. And so she wanted to be sure that we address the whole issue on x-rays, which we'll, we'll go into that in just a second. So with training, team members should be trained on the permitted uses and disclosures of protected health information, which includes understanding the treatment, payment, and health corporations. And it includes understanding that anything beyond use of patient information for treatment, payment, and health corporations you must have a written HIPAA compliant authorization form that the patient signs off on for marketing, fundraising, and research. 
So when we say fundraising, Leslie, we're not talking about any community event where maybe they're helping to gather donations or charity items like a food bank or something for a cause. But this is for the fundraising for the financial growth of the practice, if you will. So, so typically we focus just on marketing and dentistry because that's where we see all practices relying on marketing. And so those are the areas that should be focused on in training. And then going along the lines of Mary's question is, what about x-rays? We see x-rays all over social media and before and after pictures. Unless I want to go back and look at the definition of the law. And I recall a conversation I have had in the past with an Office of Civil Rights investigator in the Atlanta area. Anything that is identifiable to the patient must have written patient authorization. And there's a big gray area with x-rays because, or smile makeover picture because you can say, oh, well, we don't really know who that patient is. But oftentimes there is. So it's, it's like, why going into why go into the water if you know that everybody just saw a shark that morning? <laughs> you know, you're jumping in this tank and you're and it's gray, a big gray area. So so while there could be possible you don't identify a patient from one single X-ray, please remember that the whole field of dental forensics is based on identifying patients from X-rays. So I think exercising caution there, and it's much better to have the patient's permission written down, and then you never have to worry of having an issue like the three offices did that we spoke about in Texas, North Carolina, and California. So with that, let's draw this program to a close today. Leslie, thanks for all those great insights. And as the Compliance Divas, we bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating the regulatory world to keep you on course. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through your favorite podcast channel or on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. The resources that we mentioned today, particularly these dental cases with HIPAA fines, will be in today's show notes as well as on the Compliance Divas website. And we invite your questions to support at thecompliancedivas.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.